Welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on January the 26th, 2021. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and he's back, everyone. Caffeine Rage. Yeah, you don't have to listen to Jared ramble to himself this week. All by myself. Anyways. Here our listeners. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played. Uh, Microsoft raises, then backtracks on its gold price hike, and we'll have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Very easy topics list this week uh, to read off. Hey, buddy. Hey. If if we manage to have any listeners left after they listen to me <laughs> ramble for a half an hour last week. Yeah, I told you I can't I can't remember what I said on the recording. I think I just said ah. that I had my my uh server failed. I ha- I use a I have a raid 1 array in that server that uh I had three drives fail simultaneously. So, it's I mean it's dead. Dead dead. Yeah, Yay. that's not good. Obviously. Nope. Nope. And I mean, I, you know, I'm mostly to blame for that drive failure because I built it with secondhand parts. And it's one of those things that's like, well, I'll upgrade it. it. Was it in a cave with a box of scraps? Absolutely. But my, my intent was always like, well, I'll upgrade it down the line. You know, a drive will fail one day and then I'll just migrate the server to all new hardware. It'll be fine. Yeah, you can't fire me. I quit. Yeah, it just kept going and going and going. But unlike the Energizer Bunny, it eventually stopped. So gotta gotta rebuild the home server. Currently I'm just using some external drives to store some stuff on, but Yeah, fun. Yeah, I'm still trying to get my levels just right because sometimes it's a little hard to tell before you actually start talking. So mine uh was a lot more stupid. I actually I'm not sure. Because, okay, so I had that thing that happened uh, a few months ago where uh, Windows would start up and it would just go to a black screen. Like, it's trying to load something, but it just keeps failing and it gets in a failure loop. And this was after the computer froze and it did some sort of update. And it did that last time as well. So I think there's some file that it errors out on and it tries to re-download it and then it just corrupts. And I don't know why it's doing it because that drive comes back clean uh, and uh, my uh, scans on it. So Mm -hmm. who knows, right? Right. But it's also a very old drive uh, and SSDs, uh, at least back when I built that one, you had a finite life. uh, That's a lot shorter than they are nowadays. Well, uh, I did the reset and here's where the Chronicle starts. Okay. That happened on a Tuesday about five or six hours before recording time. Well, even if uh, reset uh, went off perfectly, there was no way I was going to get everything back up and running and have adequate time to set up everything. So, okay, fine. Uh, text you, you know, and just put it off till tomorrow. Not in the mood to deal with it. Did the reset and everything worked uh, perfectly up until the point Windows starts up and then it just hangs. And did absolutely nothing. To the point that my monitors would actually kick off due to inactivity. 
Very not good. Okay, well, uh, next uh, step up from this, since I can't access the repair tool again, it, or the reset tool again, is, okay, reinstall. Oh, shit, I do not have a Windows 10 install uh, media because my system was an upgrade from Windows 7. That should tell you how old it is. Right. And I can't install my Windows 7 media because my CD drive is burned out. It just age. Uh, it may just be a belt in it, but you know, pulling the entire drive out to change a belt is a bitch that I don't want to deal with if I could avoid it. So, okay. Well, I have a, a, a USB uh, stick that I'm not doing anything with. I was just going to need it to make me one. Well, I forgot that her computer is very, very, very low on hard drive space to the point that she needs external drive space to be able to run Windows Update is criminally low a uh, spec. And I thought that the uh, uh, the Windows uh, uh, key maker would be smart about it and just, you download a small file and then it just builds the USB stick through download. But no, it has to download the entire uh, file image and then it builds it. So, and it specifically said it needs drive space on the drive. So... While we did have access to other external media, didn't feel like it would work because, yeah, right? If it's, yeah. if it's specifying a drive, yeah, that's not a good sign. And didn't really have access to another computer because, well, even if the local library would let me do it, they're actually not allowing people in the damn buildings <laughs> because of COVIDs. They're actually close to the public outside of curbside pickup and everything else. So, okay, that's out. Don't really access to another computer. Oh, Jared, would you mind sending me a drive? <laughs> <laughs> so you send me one and it takes what, about a week to get here. Yeah. Cause when you wanted to send it was, um, MLK. Like yeah. you, you sent me, send it to me on a Saturday after the post office had closed. Well, yeah. Well, well, the thing is that, okay. So the timing was yeah Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, wanted to uh, talk uh, get it with Adita on Friday, but she was just burnt out after school, and I wasn't going to jump on her for it because it was the weekend. So yo, know, we tried to set it up Saturday, and then oh shit, right? Yeah, but yeah. So you you asked me to Saturday after the post office was closed, and then Sunday they're closed, and then Monday was MLK Day, so it, it didn't even ship out until Tuesday. Okay, so I get it Saturday after a day delay because Adia's mom is the one that picks up the mail and she held on to it for another day. Plug it into the computer and I miss the boot up uh, menu to uh, be able to boot from the USB drive because every single uh, motherboard is a special little snowflake and has its own key prompts to be able to go into the BIOS and uh, into the boot menu. So, okay, fine. I start to reach over to a reset and it goes through the Windows login and it goes to the uh, login screen. It's just, right? <laughs> After not messing with it for a week and a half, it fixes itself. Yeah, it's like, ah, fuck you. But yeah, you can't, can... you can't fire me. Yeah, I quit. Actually, no, I'm back on the job. Uh, I really need this job. I need the insurance. We live in America after all. <laughs> I uh, can't afford to pay for the surgery. <laughs> yeah, it's just after all that, it fixes itself. And this is, I mean, 
I tried quite a few times to get it to actually boot to Windows. And just at one point, leaving it to sit for a good half hour. Uh, yeah, assume, yeah, I'm thinking that yeah, maybe it's doing something in the background, right? Yeah. But nope, went right through. So I still had the Windows reset, so that you know, screwed up everything uh, on the, the programming side. So have to go in and annihilate the old Windows app folder still, which that's going to be fun because that was a battle last time. Uh, and obviously have not uh, done really anything on Game Club because the Game Club was a PC game and I did not have access to computer, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, of course, VGL awards, same thing. Couldn't really do much with them because, right? Yep. So now that you mentioned those, we will confirm the timeline. So not, uh, we said February the 9th, correct, for the VGL yeah. awards? Yeah. In so- two weeks, we'll do the VGL awards. And we will not have a game club for February. We'll carry January over into February because even if we just uh, delayed a week, that would put three weeks on that just w- with the way that February lines up. Indeed. It would it would be a big crunch. So Yeah, on top of the choosing and everything else because there would have been no way for us to get any adequate game time in. Or I should say, for me to get any adequate game time, and I'm not sure if you've been doing anything with it. And on top of that, uh, having our little powwow to pick out the next one, yeah, it would have been unrealistic to even have it today. So that would put us next week with uh, extra stuff from the VGL Awards. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. So we might do a double pick uh, later on because March is going to be a long month. So yeah, we can talk about that. I hadn't even thought about it, but we could. Um, or some sort of connected game because March and June are long months. I'm just flipping through the calendar now. As is August. June has got one, two, three, five Tuesdays. Oh, there's a yawn. March has got one, two, three, four, five Tuesdays. And August, I guess, five as well. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we could see about doing a double header or something to still get twelve games in this year. We'll we'll talk about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it looks like it looks like we have four long months this year, with November being the last one. Yeah, um, I had my, but yeah, we'll talk about that. I had my own very minor little technical repair issue, um, aside from my home server failing. Would you like to hear my adventures in repairing a uh, potentiometer? Uh, sure. <laughs> my uh, uh there's a potential for a good story there a, not really it's just boring tech stuff my um i've got a thrustmaster t16000m hotas setup uh it's generally considered by most of the uh flight enthusiasts like joystick setup people as like the best sort of entry setup that's actually worthwhile it's like 200 bucks, you get a throttle and and the joystick. So Hotas is hands-on throttle and stick for anyone who is unaware. Um, but because this is a design model that has been in c- constant production with no changes for something like seven or eight years, uh, it still uses a lot of old parts that aren't really used in more modern sticks anymore. Most flight sticks now use contactless sensors to measure 
anything that the joystick is doing. Uh, pitch, roll, and yaw, if you've got a joystick that does yaw, which this one does. Um, but it, this has a potentiometer in it for the yaw, which is the twisting of left and right on the joystick. Mm. And because it's a physical part, it gets worn out um, and degrades in performance over time. Over time, and of course, there's also dirt that may work in its way into there as well. That's actually and what they, killed my last joystick. Was yep uh, the potentiometer after not using it for ages, dust and dirt got into it, and whenever I plugged it in, it basically was hard left the entire time on y'all. Yep. Well, this one is was erratic all over the place. It was just throwing bad signals, and so it would go wildly from hard left to hard right. Um, and there, it's not very expensive to either get just a replacement joystick or another brand joystick of a different model. They're pretty much all mix and match because they all just use USB and, you know, the games will recognize them, at least most of the good games that, that I play. But, um, there is a massive worldwide shortage on a ton of computer related stuff, components, peripherals all kinds of stuff that is just mostly related to COVID and breakdown in supply chains and things like that. Um, and so once the stock was used up, it was just gone and, and supply wasn't there to meet the demand. So you cannot get a replacement of this joystick or any of the other low to mid tier joysticks that I knew anything about. Um, Dave so, Microsoft flights him. I know. So I was like, well, I guess uh, I'm going to try to fix it. So thankfully, it was just gummed up. The potentiometer wasn't broken. So I took the joystick apart, pulled the potentiometer out, got some... A little bit of contact cleaner? Yep, got some contact cleaner and uh, cleaned it down, put it all back together, and uh, it works. I did not break it, so that's good. Uh, one of the buttons, they got like these little plastic, I don't know, tabs in them that make the buttons springy. Uh, one of them is now more mush than push, but it's a button like off to the side. So I can just work around that. I'm not going to take it back apart and try and fix it again. This thing is stupid to try and take apart. It's a ton of tiny screws and it's all just crammed in there together. And when you take it apart, little plastic pieces go everywhere. Oh, fun. Yep. But that was one of the things I rambled about last week as part of my solo 30 minute episode because I was going to do that and I hadn't yet. So to anyone who listened to my little rambling, I successfully pulled the joystick apart, was able to repair the potentiometer. Uh, and by repair, I mean clean and then reassemble it. And it seems to be working fine. Most of the people online say you'll get probably another 500 hours of use out of it if the potentiometer is not dead, but they usually don't survive long enough to get cleaned a second time. But woo. Woo. So how do you want to do games this week? Because I've got one to really talk about and then three to very quickly go through and then you've got one yeah i've obviously played more than one but i'm gonna spread mine out over the next few weeks because yeah right right so do you want to go first sure i'll go first um i'm just gonna leave it as is i'm gonna front load it uh the reason that i needed to clean my joystick is wink um but also, I've been playing a lot of, of flight games here recently. Wanted to play Elite Dangerous again. It's been between one and two years since the last time I played. There have been several major updates um, and progression on stuff that happens in the storyline of the game. And I just wanted to pick it up and, and play it some more. Um, get back into that good 
space sim flight goodness and they've added a lot of a lot more systems to the game uh basically if you buy into it at this point or if you picked it up from epic for free uh around christmas time i don't i don't remember specifically when they they did that but it was somewhere around there um you get what is called the horizons update just included um which added the ability to go down to planets and explore planets with a ground vehicle and uh, there's settlements on planets now and things like that. Um, that's all included in sort of the base game with the next big one that's coming out called Odyssey, which adds like first person stuff. Uh, Elite Dangerous is basically going to be uh, what's the huge money sink space Star game? Star Citizen. Star Citizen. Elite Dangerous is going to be Star Citizen before Star Citizen even releases. Well, Probably to be fair, you know, uh, Elite Dangerous has at least, well, at the rate of Star System development, a few centuries ahead of it. <laughs> That's true. Very true. But um, as sort of the last final update as part of the... Uh, uh, damn it, my brain is just, like, broken tonight. Jesus. The the last big update, whatever I just said a minute ago. Fuck it. As, like, Horizons, their last up- uh, Horizons, thank you. As part of their last big update before Odyssey releases because odyssey is in open beta or in closed beta for the players who are in their beta program um they added a ton of features to the existing stuff to really flush them out so mining you can now crack asteroids uh which i have not done yet i don't have the equipment or the cash to set up a ship for asteroid cracking properly based on a couple of the guides i looked up online so I'm going to fully experience that soon, but it adds a whole new sensor suite and mining system where you're looking for specific rare materials inside of an asteroid and you seismic charge it and blow it up and collect the, the asteroid's core. Very cool. I'm super into that. Can't wait to try that out. Haven't yet. They've added a bunch of new ships, new weapons, uh, and completely overhauled the exploration system. So previously... Whenever you went to go explore a system, you had a a basic active scanner that came in sort of different ranges and you would like ping the system and it would uh, find bodies for you. So planets, moons, asteroid fields, um, and then additional stars in the sector of space that you were flying in. And like the most expensive best one was basically scan an entire sector and then the smaller ones would do sort of chunks of the sector. And it would tell you, like, oh, there's a planet over here, but we don't know anything about it. So you would fly over to the planet, and then you would use a different scanner to scan down the planet, and it would tell you the resources that were on the planet and that sort of stuff. And the more scanning you did, and the rarer of planets that you found, like, for example, an Earth-like planet was worth tons of, of cash for the scan data versus just, like, a simple rocky body or an asteroid field. Um, and, and you would have to do that. And uh, if you wanted to fully scan a system, there was like a bonus for that. But it would, it would just involve a lot of flying around, which was fine. Like flying your spaceship is fun. But, um, you know, it, it was just a very repetitive go to the system, scan the system. You have no idea what you're going to find. You go actually approach the planets, scan them down to find out, you know, if you're wasting your time or not. Because if you're doing it specifically for money, or to get find like a specific planet types to advance the main story of Elite Dangerous. Because, um, for example, the aliens in the game are, are the Thargoids, and they're like mysterious, and we don't really know much about them. 
but it's suspected they come from one type of planet. So if you find that type of planet and scan it down, it's worth tons of, of money and uh, rank points to rank up like your explorer's rank. But you have no way to know if you're going to find that type of planet until you scan down every planet in the system. And it, it just becomes very time consuming. So now they've changed it up. Uh, that first system ping, you still have to buy a scanner to ping the entire system. But now there's a, a new scanning module that you go into that's a full spectrum scanner um, that based on the type of signals you get from the planets that you've pinged, it, it can give you some very basic information, but enough to let you know if it's worth your while. It will tell you basically um, if there are, you know, what what types of planets there are. It won't necessarily tell you how many, but you can look at the scanner screen and see, okay, like, there's a, a large concentration of icy or rocky bodies, and there's a small ping over here that looks like it's probably an Earth-like or a water world, uh, or water water planet. No, no Kevin Costner's to be found so far. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know whether it's an Earth-like or a water world or an ammonia world. Um, well, have you tried throwing down some cigarettes? I haven't yet. I should. Uh, although the the space police will will find me and find me for space littering, um, but uh, anyway, so so there's this menu or there's this scanner module that you can use, and you can target planets that look most promising to be you know something interesting and valuable and worth your time, um, and then you get a sort of a sensor lock on those planets from this menu, and then there's one final scanner now that is uh, a probe launcher and you launch probes down on the planet and you have to get a, a planetary scan coverage with the probes. And that's, that one is probably the most mini game like of them. Um, there's a little bit involved to it, uh, a little bit of skill involved to it and a couple of interesting things. For example, unless you actually physically want to go into like warp speed and fly around the planet, you have to arc the trajectory of your probes down onto the planet to to cover the opposite side of the planet from you. So and and that can be affected based on the size of the planet and its its relative gravity compared to Earth. So the scanner is based around one G of gravity and one Earth sized planet essentially. And whenever you scan down the planet, there's information about how much uh, it compares size-wise to Earth. Uh, it's like diameter or radius. I can't remember specifically how it's measured. And what its mass is and a rough calculation of what its, its gravity should be compared to Earth. And then you have to use that with notches on the sensor to launch probes at an appropriate angle to cover the entire planet um, and get a full scan. It's it's neat. And, and the, the farther you go down the line to scanning things, the more reward you get for doing so. So if you show up in a planet, you just do the big sort of system-wide ping that's like, okay, we've got sensor data for this uh, and uh, the stars. Because usually whenever you, you ping a system, it will give you information on the stars. And then you can go into the full uh, spectrum scanner and see, okay, well, there's some planets that look promising, so I'm going to scan these down. Um, or maybe there's only a few planets in the system, so it's worth scanning them anyways, even if they're just like rocky bodies, because it'll only take you uh, a quick, you know, few seconds. And then if you get anything really promising, fly over to it, scan the the surface of the planet with probes, and then that gives you the most data and most money. So a very cool, flushed out system. Uh, 
what I what I did after I started playing again was, of course, I went and did some mining because that's my thing. Um, some of the basic mining, not the asteroid cracking. And then hopped in a luxury liner because uh, I own an Orca luxury liner, which is like the second largest one. There's one that's called a Beluga. Uh, uh, but- that's uh, for all the whales, right? Aw, yeah. And I took a group. I'm taking a group of scientists to the galactic core. And I like I ripped out all of the passenger cabins on the ship, except for like one massive size, like luxury accommodation and shoved like these six scientists in like a luxury suite and then replaced the rest of the ship with fuel tanks and scanners. And it's like, all right, we're taking this luxury yacht to the center of the galaxy, y'all. And away we went. And I've been scanning planets for three days. I've been playing it in the background at work um, because it's, it is super easy to get into a rhythm of jump to a system, scoop fuel off the star, quickly scan it down for anything interesting, jump to the next system, repeat ad nauseum. Uh, But I did some math and it's a 38 hour round trip to go to the center of the galaxy and come back 38 hours of real time. Uh, I've been playing for three days now and have made it three quarters of the way to the center of the galaxy. So I got yeah, away to go. take a, another route back for that sweet, sweet center data, right? That is correct. I'm going to go probably 200 light years vertical on the galactic plane and then come back that way. So I can take a completely different route home and scan a bunch of new systems and planets. So that, that'll add a little bit of travel time to the journey. But I'm having a fucking blast playing Elite Dangerous again. Listening to podcasts, scanning down systems in my head, having weird pretend conversations with the scientists and the luxury accommodations. It feels kind of like being on the Enterprise. Honestly, like the Enterprise D. Have you yeah. told Wesley to shut up yet? Oh, yes, Absolutely. Every once in a while, I hit the button that lets you do the free cam, and I'll look over to the co-pilot seat with no one in it and be like, shut the fuck up, Wesley, and then go back. I might be losing my mind. Might? (laughs) Deep space. Occasionally, you find some weird space anomalies, too, like these weird crystalline structures or organic life living in deep space. Yeah, as a Star Trek fan, or at least former, because not a big fan of what they've done to the suit. To the franchise. Um, do not provoke the crystalline entity. I, you know, I had that exact thought. Like, I flew up to it, and I was like, this is, this feels so wrong, because I've seen so many episodes of Star Trek where that this goes badly. But I'm I mean, there's, I mean, there, there's literally a, a, a planet-eating being called the crystalline entity that's probably looks exactly like what you're poking. Yeah, I scanned it and then flew away. But I've landed on a few planets and gone to explore on a little RV thing. Or not RV, ATV thing. Well, now it's an RV. Right, it's an RV. I mean, I did crash it a lot. That was recreational. Um, well, it definitely was an all-terrain. I was trying to figure... I couldn't remember, like, the button layout. And, of course, I could just go look. But I'm like, nah, I'm going to poke all the buttons and see if I can remember what does what. And I hit the thruster lock... So I turned on the little thrusters on the ATV and they were locked on in like the uh, singular position. So it's like, oh, good. Now I'm 200 meters in the sky and falling back down to the planet with no thruster power once all of the fuel ran out. Well, that sounds fun. 
thankfully I didn't die because that would have been horrible to lose all of that progress. I'm using a plugin that tracks certain stuff from your save file to give you a rough estimate on how much uh, you'll get collected or how much money you'll collect from your scan data. And I'm up to like 40 million space bucks in scan data. And I'm, I'm three space quarters. Bucks, I thought what snacks, <laughs> right? Uh, there are a couple of things about the game as well. So when you said that though, that reminded me, it has this thing called apex points. Now I think it's apex. It might be Ajax. I'm, I don't know. It's like a, a premium currency thing to buy cosmetics in the game. Uh, you they've always had a call pretty much since the beginning of, of the game launch they've had cosmetics you could buy paint jobs for your ship and pretty colors for your exhaust trails and laser pew pews um custom uh like decals and bobbleheads for your for your cabin um honestly pretty much exactly how uh euro truck has done it um with their sort of business model for selling those cosmetics to people. But now you can earn the currency by playing the game. And there's a cap on how much you can earn during a week. Um, I I hit that cap like yesterday. So I I don't know. That might make you feel weird as a player or a consumer. Take that for what it's worth. Um, I'm not opposed to cosmetic systems being in games. I mean, this game has been around for forever, and the only paid update or expansion or whatever they've ever had so far has been Horizons, um, and everything else has been uh, free content. And they have really done a good job with this being like a games-as-service type game. It's had a story that has developed over the course of the last like six years um, with political strife that you can participate in as a player and take sides in and the alien menace that has grown out of sort of whispers in the dark from people who played the original games to holy fuck, they're actively attacking space stations and worlds. Well, my God, what are we going to do? Levels of gameplay. So it's, it's interesting. Like I'm, I'm really impressed with, with what they have done and how long they have kept this game series or game, whatever going. Um, I'm looking forward to the next big update. I don't know how much I'll care about walking around on my ship and on planets and stuff, but I also said I didn't know how much I'd care about exploring planets and a little ATV, and you know what? That's fucking awesome. So bring it on. Looking forward to it. So yay, Elite Dangerous. And because I've been playing off and on for six years, I have tons of money. I can just buy lots of stuff when I want to, so that's cool. Anyone who does want to come play Elite Dangerous with you, I will play. Uh, I'm headed towards the Galactic Core. You're going to have to wait a week or two on me. But when I get back, we can play together, and it'll be fine. And if you're a brand new player and you're like, oh my god, how can I compete with you having so much stuff? Well, for one, I will give you a little bit of startup cash. Uh, I think it. I, I genuinely think it ruins the progression experience to have someone give you 100 million credits and be like, go wild, kid. But the starter ship really, really sucks. And um, 500,000 credits will get you a good, like uh, what I think is a much better. There's a market. (laughs) Yep, will get you what I think is a much better starter ship for either combat or trade and be able to outfit it so that you can actually have a good time. And then I can just drop down to a weaker ship so that it's not like crazy OP. 
or I could bring out the big guns and like babysit. That would be fine. I could also fly one of my little carriers and you could join in and fly one of the fighters. So we got options for if someone wants to play with me, but you got to wait till next week till I get back from the, the center of the galaxy or until I blow up. Cause if I fuck up, you respawn at the last station you were docked at. So two thumbs up for me. All right. That was my big one. Uh, do you want to go do your big one and then I can do my little ones? Yeah. Well, it's not particularly a big one, but it's uh, no something. So, uh, since the computer's been out of commission for a week and a half, and you know, this is something I've been playing on and off anyway, I've got a little bit more time in Golf Story that I feel comfortable enough playing it now, or, or I should say talking about it now. Uh, Golf Story, it, uh, well, Jared kind of hit the nail on the head. It is like the old Game Boy Mario Golf games, where it's an RPG meets a golf game instead of just rpg mechanics in a golf uh, game this is an rpg that just happens to be about golf and puts golf mechanics in place of battle for example at one point you're co-opted to help an archaeologist find uh, relics that just happen to be on the golf course because reasons and instead of like most normal games where you would you know, get a shovel and start digging or you know maybe go on a uh, get uh, you know some sort of key item no, you just buy a golf club that allows you to uh, swing and dig down further <laughs> and uh, swing your club a few times to start uncovering things. Uh, there's a bunch of little hidden uh, uh, secrets, uh, hidden holes to be able to give you more experience. Uh, and also a rather witty sense of humor. So this is about a, at least as far as I've gotten so far, an unnamed protagonist that's gone through a rough bit of his life and is kind of reminiscing about his days as a kid uh, going with his dad to uh, uh, to this local golf uh, club to uh, pl- learn to play golf. And he decides after, what at least it, from what I read, a bad breakup or some sort of relationship issues, you know, screw it, screw all the haters. I'm going to become a pro golfer at like 40 something, right? Yeah. So, oh, so actually, probably, I, actually, probably like mid 30s, early 40s, somewhere in there. Uh, and he goes to the local golf club uh, that he went to as a child. It, it is a rundown dump now, and they're trying to uh, build it back up. There's this shady new owner that uh, is uh, basically. <sighs> trying to embezzle the club from the from everything it looks like of uh, what money they do get uh and just is giving the uh, the staff just enough to you know limp along it's very shady looking there's this coach that has absolutely no faith in you <laughs> even though you're able to you know surpass all those challenges he nitpicks well you have a good form and uh, you have the drive but you have a terrible swing and they send you on a mission to go to other golf clubs and find out information about them. And that's as far as I've really gotten in the story so far, there's uh, shoot. Now I'm trying to remember just how long the game is because it's actually a somewhat long game. I'm just double checking. It is a 20 hour golf RPG. And I think I'm about a third of the way through, mm-hmm. but, that, but that's the thing is that this is the 
average 20 hours. And there's a lot of side stuff as well. You know, you can run around and find all the little hidden secrets. Uh, one thing I found that's off the beaten path is like the mini golf side area that uh, in order to unlock that, you had to ha- find four hidden buttons uh, around the uh, around this golf course and then sink this long <laughs> mini golf-esque putt uh, to unlock the door. Uh, at one point, you're dealing with uh, disc golfers, and you piss them off by uh, constantly referring t- to uh, their disc as frisbees. Uh, you're dealing with the local uh, golf club's uh, groundskeeper, and he's having an uh, issue with groundhogs. And he makes the Bill Murray character in Caddyshack look practically sane. Uh, uh as far as I've gotten with him so far is you're, uh, he replaces all your golf balls with uh, GPS trackers and you're intentionally knocking them towards the uh, all the gophers to be able to uh, track down their hidden lair. Uh, you feed the fish by knocking golf ball shaped bait <laughs> into different holes. But there's also it, it kind of throws a, a wrench into things as well with uh, its mechanics at times. So uh, some of the optional objectives, they'll be the obvious, you know, okay, now complete this course or this one hole by only getting on the green or the fairway. Then there's the next guy that says, eh, the the fairway, that, that that's for sissies. Uh, real men play in the rough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, complete this hole only by getting in the rough or the green. And then there's a third one that's like, uh, the rough's nothing. Go into the deep rough and complete the hole in uh, however many strokes, either it, from the deep rough or the green. And it's just, there's this constant, you know, something new. They're uh, throwing something different. Uh, a rather witty sense of humor about it. And for absolutely no vocal uh, uh, performance at all, the game is so expressive just by the fact of how it handles its text bubbles. So unlike pretty much every other game I've encountered with text bubbles, the text bubbles are highly animated. So if somebody's yelling, the text bubble will suddenly explode into size, giant letters. If somebody is uh, whispering, uh, the text bubble will shrink down. Or if somebody uh, is, uh, you know, like getting down on themselves, for example, uh, like, uh, you know, oh, well, at least I thought it was not that bad. Yeah, starting to just trail off their speech. It will shrink down and kind of slowly uh, animate down. And that combined with the rumble feature of the Switch, it actually is really, really convincing on just, you know, you can hear the characters. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it sounds silly until you really see it in action just how expressive it can be. Uh, just that uh, kind of like opening half hour or so where you're trying to get the local golf coach to be able to you know, teach you because you know, uh, he has a full class and he doesn't think you're worth training. And you know, you're trying to uh, beat all his students to who are all terrible, by the way. Uh, to be able to actually get the coach to teach you, and then that leads into the whole overarching story of things. It, it, it's 
well, well worth the 15 some bucks. Uh, and I actually got it on sale for, I think it was seven something because it was 50% off. Yeah. Of course, after tax, uh, you know, closer to eight, but uh, it is a really, really good game, especially if you don't mind golf, but love RPGs or if you really like golf and don't mind, uh, yeah, vice versa. Yeah. Love golf, but yeah, and RPGs are okay. It's actually a pretty solid golf game as well. Not a huge amount of courses, but what's there, there's actually some very solid mechanics and a, a fair assortment of just you know, different courses and holes. So, yeah, I, and I don't think that there's really that many golf games on the Switch, or at least worth playing that I can find. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've actually never looked for golf games on the Switch. I mean, I'm looking and it's like... uh. PGA Tour, <laughs> 2K21, uh, Clubhouse Games, uh, the NES uh, Game of Golf, or, or the NES uh, version of it from uh, the uh, Switch Online thing. And that's really just about it. Mm-hmm. And of course, Golf Story. Oh, and Mario Golf, of course, because there's always a Mario Golf. Of course. There's always a Mario everything. Yep. It's a me, Mario. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get into that in a week or two. My, oh my gosh, my kid saw that, and and he somehow has combined it with with uh, what is it, taxi driver? I guess he'll go. It's me, Mario. I'm a walking over here. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's one of those things though that was like funny the first time. And by, by the second time, but by the thousandth time, it's like, I'm yeah. going to strangle you. Please stop. <laughs> well, children. Yeah, I'm going to have to get uh, going to have to get Golf Story at yeah. some point in the near future. Yeah, and they've already announced the sequel to it, which is Sports Story, which you could get a hint of just kind of the humor and Golf Story from the trailer of it in uh, Sports Story that it gets rather absurd. There's one point where that you're uh, hitting what was it beach balls with uh, a baseball bat into a guy with armor in front of a, <laughs> a soccer net in yes. the trailer. Yes, it was lovely. Yeah, there's this just absurdist humor about golf story. It's not always there. It's not you know constantly out there, but the opening sequence. It's uh, the big memory that this guy has of uh, his childhood playing golf with his dad was this one day when the bunch of geese attacked this one guy on the course and you just watch this flock of geese chasing a guy around the green as you're trying to learn how to putt yeah it's like okay son uh, in order to be a great golfer you have to learn to block out everything including those geese (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah all right. Uh, it's just a shame that it's a Switch exclusive because I really think it could do with a lot uh, uh, on other platforms. But I also understand just yeah having a fo- a very focused market, but also the way that they do with the uh, the HD Rumble on it, where they're able to do different things with it. I definitely understand you know why they chose the Switch as well. Yeah, but yeah, very worth playing though. If you can. All right. Well, I've got three more 
but I, these are, are all going to go pretty fast. Yeah, so. and rapid fire. Rapid fire. So War Thunder. For some reason, I got a hankering to play War Thunder again, um, probably because of all the flight stuff I've been doing, and War Thunder has made it up to Vietnam era, maybe like late 70s era aircraft. So you can see things like uh, the early MiGs, the all the way up to like the Harrier, um, the the Starfighter, um, the F eighty six Saber, I think it is. Um, you know, like a lot of of sort of Gen two, I know would it be Gen three aircraft, like the the first and second generation of of jet powered aircraft. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I could go for that. That would be fun. Uh, War Thunder has got its more realistic mode. So, you know, some stuff that I've seen from and been practicing on another game that's on my list. Like, I could, you know, maybe play that a little bit. No, it's just as bullshitty and grindy as it ever was. Basically, if you're not willing to drop some money on the game to get the one or two things that you really want, you're going to have to invest hundreds of hours on a specific tree to get enough, you know, points and money to research down to the thing that you want. And I mean, that's fine. You know, both of those things are fine. Like if you want to buy a single jet or something to play with and then play in like one of the realistic or combined arms modes so that when your one jet is done, you're not miserable for the rest of the time, you know, that's fine. Or if you want to take all the time to play it because you really like the game or whatever, more power to you. Not for me. Um, I, I could see myself playing it casually, but the problem is, is when you play it casually, you never get past like the third or fourth tier of stuff. And I mean, there's uh, some interesting things there, but I want to get to the jet aircraft and the helicopters and the seventies and eighties or the sixties and seventies era tanks. You know, that would be fun. And I just, nah, it's not going to happen. So yeah, War Thunder. Uh, the other game, and maybe I should have done these in reverse order, but whatever, is a DCS World, which is the hardcore um, PC combat flight simulator game. Um, it's free on Steam, but when I say free, you get two aircraft for free, and the rest of it you have to buy. Uh, buy each of the aircraft or certain like campaign packages individually that come with some aircraft or some other vehicles that are uh, pilotable in the game. Uh, there's some helicopters. There might be some ships that are drivable. I didn't super research into it because I wanted to just see like, okay, you know, do I like this? Can I get into the more simish aspects of flight? And you can, but my God, there's a steep learning curve. The, the It comes with the P-51 Mustang, the World War II era American uh, propeller fighter, and then the Su-25 Frogfoot, which is a Russian uh, ground attack aircraft. Um, I think it was supposed to be sort of the Russian answer to the A-10, uh, and it does not even come close, but... It's. I think that's what it's supposed to be because it's heavily specced for air-to-ground combat. Um, there's no real, like, training mode for the game. You can do some sort of free flight stuff and, and learn how to play, but I started playing this right when my flight stick started having issues. And in arcade games, it's frustrating 
for your rudder to suddenly snap left to right, but in an actual flight sim, that will cause your plane to crash. So I played it for a while, started to get my feet wet. I'm like, okay, there's more here, but I got to get this joystick issue worked out. And so I stopped playing it. Um, So in the future, when I've spent, either decided to dedicate 20 hours to learning one of these planes or decided to give up, I might talk about it some more. But, I mean, it certainly does what it says it wants to do. It is a military aircraft flight sim. Um, and yeah, that's some, of these, cool. some of this DLC is fucking expensive. Yeah, I think you can spend, like, $3,000 or something if you uh, buy... Just show $2,500. Okay, my mistake. I apologize. Oh, just... Give them calm. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, basically, the way I think the game is designed to be played is that you pick an aircraft or two that you really like you buy them and they come with a bunch of pre-built missions for them to fly. Um, or you buy one of the campaigns that comes with missions and like a couple of aircraft. And then you get into the custom mode thing where that you either get missions from your, you know, from the community or you design your own and you fly them and you, you know, you, you sim that one or those two aircraft. Cause even in like, for example, like American fighter planes, one uh, to another are drastically different, you know. So, well, just that. Uh, hang on, uh, that campaign it required you to have DLC on top of the campaign. Uh, oh. So, not all of the campaigns come. With uh, yeah, it looks then. like some of them require specific DLC to even run the campaign. So, yeah, this is like a hardcore long term thing. If I really get into it, I want to give it another shot with a fully functioning flight stick. Um, it's got promise, but also, boy, hardcore Sims, you know, flying planes is hard. <laughs> Who would have knew? Um, I mean, damn. I mean, some of these uh, DLCs are 80 bucks for a single plane. Well, and package with it. But that's yeah. that's a little rich for my blood. There are some things that have been modded in by players. Like there's uh, mods for the F-22 Raptor, for example. So much of that plane is still classified. They can't get enough data to actually make one in the game. Mm-hmm. But modders have created one. Um, and the flight characteristics are supposed to be very realistic. And then some of the stuff like simulating the the radar stealth, they've changed, tweaked some game parameters for it. So you could get some stuff that would be mods. But yeah, the full functionality of the game, you're going to have to drop some money on campaigns and or aircraft. But like I said, it's got promise. It definitely is doing what it claims to be doing, being a hardcore simulator for military aviation. Um, and then the last game I played what is Ember. It's E-M-B-R. Yeah, I think it was on Discovery here at some point. Yeah, it was. I got given this uh, at Christmas by someone. Uh, that someone specifically being Ghost Shark. So thank you, Ghost Shark. Uh, but he uh, wanted to play it with me one night. Um, I can't remember if it was we were going to play Star Wars and it got canceled or or something, but um, he wanted to play it. And it's basically, what if Uber, but firefighters? Um, it's a fun arcade game or like arcade like style game to play with friends. The core gameplay loop is that uh, once you complete the single player tutorial um, or the strictly single player tutorial, it opens up and you can team up with up to three other people or you can go solo. 
Um, but you go to locations, houses or businesses or something that are on fire and you put out fires and you rescue people. Um, and the quicker and more efficiently you do that, the better you're rated by the people that you saved from the fire and you're awarded money based on that. There's some other stuff to it. Uh, You can choose to steal items from the people whose houses you're putting the fires out of, and you can sell them for money, or you can just straight up steal money from people. Um, If you, I I think there's some kind of mechanic, like if you get caught, it like harms your reputation, Um, but you get more money that way by stealing than you do from like returning it to the people safely. Um, Because they might tip you or give you like a higher star rating, but you get more money by stealing. Um, And then you get a bunch of gadgets that you can upgrade and purchase and a bunch of like outfits and that do different stuff for your stats. Uh, It's got a little bit of a single single player campaign where you get like there's like a rival agency or a rival crew that as you go through they show up sometimes on missions and you have to like compete against them. And there's little like story blurbs here or there, but primarily it's, it's the mechanics of the game. Um, I mean, it's, it's fun, fun enough. It's, it's not a great game. I think it's got some promise um, as it goes through further develop development because it is an early access. The, the mechanics, <coughs> excuse me, the mechanics are solid. Um, the performance is lacking. Uh, it's it's got some pretty poor i think optimization so it runs kind of badly especially when there's a lot of fire which is kind of the point of the game is to put out fire so you're constantly running into areas where your performance slowly dies as the fire spreads um but i you know it was fun playing with ghost um it, it could be fun to play with other people you know like a full group certainly the levels some of the levels are are like I, I don't think it does scaling is what I'm trying to say. Some of the levels can easily be handled by one or two people, but some of them you very clearly need three or four to be able to do really well. Unless you've got like tons of gadgets or just like so super the, the game. galactic problem. Yeah, but the two of us had enough fun. Um, you can get into some wacky situations. The people are like big dum dums, and like it's like oh your house is on fire, but you're sitting on the toilet playing on your phone. Ha ha. Like that humor is funny a couple of times, but. Uh, the game can also actually become impossible to complete a level. Um, there's one level that has like a tree house. And the only way to get into the tree house to rescue the person is to go across <coughs> a bridge. But if you don't get there fast enough and you don't realize this, like the first time you're doing the level, the fire burns the bridge down. And then there's no way to get to the tree house. <coughs> oh, goodness. I get a cough drop. Um, well, that kind of sucks, though. Yeah, uh, uh, the bridge burned down, not the cough drop. <clears throat> but anyways, it's it's fun. Um, definitely though, for me, anyways, not a single player game. So, yep, that's the three. I've got more, but those are the three I'm going to talk about this week. I'll talk about more next time on Dragon Ball Z. Jared forgets what he's going to talk about. Remember the. Remember the trailers always uh, had the uh, uh, the spoiler title? Yeah. Always. Always look on the bright side of life. I know that's, I know that's not what you're going for, but that's where my brain went. Um, Okie dokie. Well, that's yeah, it I don't know what you're on, but that's an interesting one. Indeed. Um, so let's go do our news topic this week. 
Uh, Microsoft rises, then backtracks on gold price hike. That is yeah. Xbox Live Gold. Yeah, no, this is just silly. What were they thinking on this one, right? Yeah. So I saw this pop up, and then pretty much within a couple hours, the retraction. Uh, so I had missed the initial release of it. So they were essentially doubling the price of everything. But yeah, it's just what, right? Yeah. The speculation is that this pricing move was to incentivize people to go to getting the Game Pass Ultimate, which I think that's what they were making the gold price the same as. A year of gold is the same as a year of Game Pass Ultimate, which is gold plus the Xbox and PC Game Pass subscription all rolled up in one. Like the, The speculation that I've seen is that that's what this price was doing. And if they want to do that, fine. I think it's bullshit, but if they want to do it, fine. That's something that you ease people into. You don't just double the price of your service overnight and expect people to be okay with it, especially right now mm-hmm. as the world or the United States most like prominently continues to burn down from a plague. Yeah, the six-month price was what they had previously been charging for a 12-month subscription. Uh, the monthly was up only a buck, but the three month was up uh, for five bucks a month. Yeah. So it's, you know, it gets rather silly rather quickly. And yeah, I, this doesn't feel like uh, them testing the waters and uh, backtracking uh, yeah, to see how uh, things would go or even uh, find a middle ground because they immediately went back to the old pricing. This feels like it was just a dumb decision that somehow got pushed out. Yeah. Either a com- decision that got pull- pushed out or they just thought they could get away with it. That, well, they thought they could get away with it. That's the thing I said. Uh, this wasn't a mistake that they uh, announced or something like that because there's reports that they that people have been seeing placards with the new pricing on it uh, at uh, you know GameStop and the such. Right. So, you know, they obviously spent some money to push out uh, – new marketing material with these new prices. So this wasn't a publicity stunt. This may have been push, uh, been trying to push people to the, uh, uh, their subscription plans, but it's just dumb, 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 dumb. Right. I'm still glad I'm primarily a PC gamer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the one subscription I have for online play is Nintendo and it's 20 bucks. Yeah. I don't I don't even have that. I mean I do, you know, we both have Game Pass on PC Game Pass. Yeah, but, but I, I actually don't pay for that. <laughs> That's true. That Microsoft you can you can work it enough to where that you get enough like rewards points or whatever that you don't have to pay for that. And also uh for some reason every time you turn on auto renewal or auto pay, you get a free month. They still haven't fixed that as far as I know. Yeah, I'm sitting at uh, forty-eight seventy-three of sixty-eight hundred for another month. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm I'm actually not sure when my uh, uh, renewals up t- uh, comes up because, uh, yeah, I don't have it installed right now because I have like bare bones installed right now. Yeah, I, it's either mine is either February or March when I have to pay the next uh, the next renewal. I think I- I'm up to February as well. I'd have to double check that. I was I was looking 
where is it? Auto, yeah, okay, March. March is the next time that I have to pay for a month of PC Game Pass. Oh, okay, I found it on my Microsoft account. Uh, February 17th. Yeah, I did the uh, the auto-renewal thing, um, and something else had got me like a month or two, and then I got enough rewards points for another month. This was back in like October or September. Like that was the last time I paid for it. I mean, I'm sure eventually all that stuff will run out. And even so, like, you know, I use it enough that I'm willing to pay for it every month. But I don't, I'm not going to pay for like their whole shebang. Like it's, that's not worth it for me. And I'm certainly like, if the, if the price like doubled or more, I don't, I don't know how on board I'd be for that. See, what, what is even the current price? It's been several months since I played for it. Uh, I think it's still 10 bucks. bucks. Yeah, I think it's still 10. Which is well worth it, in my opinion. Oh yeah, ten bucks a month is definitely worth it. For me, twenty bucks a month is pushing it because I play so many games in other locations. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, for someone else, twenty bucks a month still might be worth it for the variety of games that are on there. Especially if you're a newer PC gamer and you don't have like a Steam library or something, you haven't had time to collect games from like uh, Twitch Prime giveaways or the epic game giveaways or whatever. So, yeah, I think going beyond 10 for me would be a, a hard sell just because I have stuff in other locations. Yeah. I don't but think that, Microsoft has enough exclusives as well. On yeah. PC to, to yeah. Yeah. We'll it. see if they uh, finally get off the pod and uh, release the EA uh, stuff, because as far as I know, they're still stalling on that uh, for PC. Yeah. But now with the EA stuff, that would give me more incentive to stay potentially for for twenty bucks instead of ten, if they raise the price. Although I don't, they didn't, they haven't said anything about raising the price for PC. I think no. they know that they can't get away with raising it on PC because there's too many options on Xbox. Like if you're going to play on Xbox, you're locked in, and if you want to play online until uh, just now with this most recent announcement because they did say that you were going to be able to play free-to-play games without having to have xbox live gold yeah yeah that was the uh, uh the thing that uh, they were announcing with the uh price hike was i believe free-to-play was not going to be behind the paywall anymore but when they reverted it they decided to keep that as a goodwill gesture right, right. never mind the fact at least According to the comments, they're the they were the only console that did that. Mm-hmm. I did not I did not test that with the Switch myself. Well, you know. yeah, I don't know about the Switch, but I do know that on PlayStation, free to play games, you don't have to be a PlayStation Plus member to play those online. And I assume that that's balanced out by, uh, in this case, Sony taking a cut of microtransactions from free to play games. Yeah, most likely. And I, I assume they think it's worth it, but. But I remember when when Microsoft had uh, stuff like Netflix behind its paywall for Xbox Live Gold. Oof! Uh, I just well, I loaded up the Xbox app, and uh, there's seven games leaving uh, 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 Xbox uh, Game Pass or PC uh, Game Pass. What's leaving? Uh, well, Final Fantasy uh, 15, uh, Gris, uh, Fishing Sim World, Sea Salt. Death's Gambit, Reigns Game of Thrones Edition, and Indivisible. So, damn, some good ones, huh? Yeah. Are you sad to see your your beloved fishing world sim going? 
No, no, you sent me a fishing sim, so I'm fine. <laughs> Actually, I never uh, even tried that one. I did, uh, I did start playing Final Fantasy 15, so it sucks to see it go. I yeah, I downloaded Final Fantasy 15 to play at one point, uh, but I never did. I never got too far into it because you know it's uh, it has this weird kind of pseudo MMOs thing going on with it. Yeah, like most of the more modern Final Fantasy games, where you know it's a uh, open world, but it feels it, it feels very artificial. I think that's right. why everybody praises uh, Zelda so much. It's just that it feels a lot more natural to find stuff here and there instead of congregated around particular towns. Right. That makes sense. And it's just, I just never really got into it. So hopefully they push out some good games in replacement of it. I mean, they do have, well, they have Donut County, which didn't really care for it myself, but eh. Control, though, is interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I've i got Control installed to play, and I just haven't gotten around to playing it yet. Well, I need to set up stuff. Cyber Shadow, which looks like it escaped uh, the NES, which can be a good thing, though. All right, there you go. Desperados 3. <laughs> Woo! Desperado. You're just desperate to see all our listeners go, aren't you? Absolutely. Fuck them. Get out of here. Don't want you. That's, not, that's a lie. Please don't go. We love you very much. Yet you continue to sing. Well, I have a problem, or lots of problems. I was going to say singular. I have I have lots of problems, mental and physical. Yeah, just seeing which breaks first, right? Yes, all of it breaks first. So, yep, that's it for our only news topic for this week. There have been a couple of other things that have happened over the last like three weeks, but we typically don't go backwards in time for news stories unless they happen to be like massive mm-hmm. industry breaking things. Or Cyberpunk, or No Man's Sky, at one point in time, or Fallout yeah. seventy six. <laughs> but that's that's about it. So yeah, um, yeah. Uh, on Discord, well, over heading over to uh, as I guess I could should add this to the show notes. A super brief community corner. Been some activity in the Discord over the last couple of weeks. Uh, some back and forth discussion about uh, VR. Some cyberpunk related stuff. Lots of politics. Uh, if you're a listener of to the show and have been scared to join Discord for one reason or another, we don't bite politics, hard. We don't bite much. Yeah. If politics is a draw for you, we we've had a couple of uh, back and forth politics and meme discussions in the general chat. Um, yeah. I, I, wait, has Bernie showed up yet? <clears throat> no. Has oh, oh wait, anime. I, well, I don't think Bernie in the chair with his mittens has shown up in our chat at all have you seen the burnt the bernie anime intro uh i don't think so oh my god oh wait bernie has shown up because you posted that comic oh i did okay yeah i'm I'm gonna post this in discord right now for everyone to see it's it's just it's um it's from june of 2020 so unfortunately there's no mittens in it but someone showed this to me uh yesterday on one of the other discord servers i'm in uh, nope, nope, nope. That's the wrong thing. I was looking up something on my laptop. Let me just delete that comment. <laughs> my, uh, I'm I'm not sure if it's the charger cable itself or what, but my laptop like wasn't charging very briefly earlier, and I want to figure that out asap. <laughs> but yeah, Bernie well, just, anime opening. Yeah, I'm just watching this, and 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is too well drawn for most anime these days. I the know, animation. Right? The animation's way too good. I love me some Bernie Sanders though. Bernie's my my guy, my man, my main yeah. man. Yeah. Now we just gotta wait for Mario Lopez to get older. Then he can play the other important Sanders, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. It would be amazing if somewhere down along the way, Bernie Sanders and Colonel Sanders were, were related. I doubt it, though. Well, Maybe. if you go back far enough, I'm sure. But right, That's true. Both descendants of Genghis Khan or something. <laughs> I'm Googling this. <laughs> I'm sure it's, people have asked this. Oh yeah, it's the number two result. Like when you when you type is Bernie Sanders related, it's the second result. What's the first? Uh shit, let me go back. Is Bernie San Sabders? Sanders related to Larry David. Oh, As that's a- uh uh that's uh who portrayed him on SNL. Ah. Uh trust me. Uh Look up Larry David. It's striking. Well, there's a joke article on uh, a site like The Onion mm-hmm. talking about uh, followers of Bernie Sanders desperate to make him related to Colonel Sanders. <laughs> so based on that, probably not. Uh, I, oh, What is this? The Atlas Society, A Tale of Two Sanders. This was posted in April 13th, 2016. It's just comparing and contrasting the two Sanders to one another. Yeah, they're not related. Sad day. I definitely want Bernie Sanders to be related to Colonel Sanders. No, 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 no. Don't you understand? This means now you could ship them. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What is this? I'm going to I'm sending you a link. Oh. Am I going to be regretting this? It's just like weird looking. It's not like gross or anything. It's just weird. Although, I don't know. I guess you could find that face gross. <clears throat> Looks like uh, Bernie Sanders dressed as Colonel Sanders fell face first into the chicken fryer. <laughs> yes, I could see that. I do see that. And that's his horribly burned corpse. Oh, my. All right. So where can uh, people send us stuff to contact us via the emails and the whatnots? Well, you can do so vglpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet it to us vglpodcast on the Twitter. Or if you find our Discord over at vglpodcast.podbean.com, you can uh, drop it over there. Indeed. So, hey, buddy. You want to go on over to do a doobly-doo for a Discovery queue? Uh, sure. So I got, uh, as usual, I have mine loaded up and ready to go. (laughs) And I have Everspace 2, so... Hey, me too. But you go ahead. You got to do it first. Yeah, well, remember I did a review on the first one. I do remember. uh, And I was very unimpressed with it. Mostly just because it became kind of just a slugfest of... uh, Enemies would warp in practically on top of you, and it would just be, uh, just it, it felt like uh, the the ships that were more long range focused were at a severe disadvantage because there was just always enemies that would just get right on you, 
And it looks like in the trailer they fix it somewhat, but not completely. And I'm still seeing the same type of combat, you know, very, very, very close quarters. But it looks like they've expanded this quite a bit to more metro uh, 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 biomes. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Ever uh, Space was uh, basically a, fl- uh, a space flight sim meets uh, roguelite where uh, there's this overarching story, but it kind of was actually kind of hamstrung because it's tied to the progression of how far you get in the roguelites uh, section. So you could go quite a while before getting more story progression because, yeah, it requires you get so far in the game, right? Yep. But it looks like they uh, have a more proper mapping system as well. So... I think they still have the roguelite in this. No, it looks like they may have been be going away from the uh, roguelite scenario, which actually might be a good thing with this because you know, Everspace it just there was just so much of uh, tied to just luck of the draw, really, as most roguelikes. So yeah, interesting. I'm not sure just what to think about this because of that. Yeah. It'll be one to keep an eye on. That's that's for sure. Yeah. I, I personally I think I would like it better if it wasn't a roguelike. Roguelite. Mm-hmm. Roguelike. Whatever. Um make it a more uh open ish type world environment, freelancery type thing. Because it, it focuses on starship combat, right? It's not like capital yeah. ship or anything. It's fighters. Yeah, 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 it's essentially fighters. Okay. Yeah. I don't think there was anything beyond fighters. Uh, even the bigger ships were just, you know, like bombers, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Right. So, uh, carry on. You're up. Yeah. So, I got the adventure of, I don't know how to pronounce this, Nayu? Nayu? Uh, it's a little fox girl that lives in a cozy anime world, and it's a clicker game, and it's saying that you go on a cute fox girl adventure. And I'm all about going on a fun, cute, relaxing Fox Girl adventure. It's three bucks. Three bucks. So I'm I'm all for buying this. Well, I'm going to cost you money. I got the Dyson Fear pro- uh, program. Oh, yes. I've seen this. Uh, Jim, I believe it was Jim, showed it to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, this looks really, really up your alley. Fucking up my build, alley. Build, build the most efficient intergalactic factory and space simulation strategy game. Uh, the Dyson Sphere program. Harness Can you buy it yet? Yeah, it's uh, on early access for 18 bucks. Oh, yes, it just released. I'm buying this right now. I'm literally <laughs> buying this right now. Harness the power of stars, collect resources, plan and design production lines. I mean, it's basically Factorio on a... Uh, play, or solar system level instead of a planetary level. It all the screenshots have Japanese in it. I think that's Japanese at least. I always have trouble telling Japanese and Chinese apart, uh, just yep. because of the relayed uh, writing systems. But I mean, it is impressive looking already, and it looks like it's a small development team as well with some uh, very ambitious goals. I mean, that is definitely worth a check out later. Yep, because they literally just released into early access today. I don't know how much I'll actually play it because it's, I don't know, it might be far along in development, but I want to support the devs of this game so that it gets completed. Uh, Let's see. It looks like they're planning to add a lot more stuff. Oh, it's such a tiny game. 
install i'm gonna put this on my c drive i'll also purchase complete they plan to be in uh early access for about a year or so sounds like they are fairly far along already uh We'll expand on the exploration mechanics as well as a polish and fine-tune the experience of designing and operating the an automated factory, fleshing out blah blah blah. Uh, is entirely playable at launch, which means that you can enjoy standard mode, sandbox missions, and exploration almost without limitation. Enjoy around hundreds of hours of uh, brand new content and make your industry industrial empire as large as your ambition allows. So, sounds like it is pretty far along already. Yeah, some really, really good reviews as well. <clears throat> yeah. Jim uh, from Discord of 35 for the listeners uh, showed this game to me, I think, two weeks ago. And I was hype for this game because it is... Yeah, I mean, you're right. When you saw it, and you're like, I'm going to cost you some money. You know that this game's up my alley. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm in I'm into this. Um, I, so I bought it, I started downloading it, um, and then I went over to look at my queue. I've had three games that are not English language only, or you know, they're don't support the English language at all. Uh, you have anything? Uh, nope. Uh, well, okay. The Elder Scrolls Online Blackwood expansion. Uh, fuck it. Fuck Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, do you have something? If you got something, you go ahead. Yeah, I got something. Okay. So I got something that looks interesting but i'm not sure just how i feel about it bad games tycoon 2 so uh, the there's been like this subgenre of games about game development that's gone on for quite a while actually but it's always come down to perfect the graph or perfect the ratios that go into the final results so uh shoot now uh game dev tycoon is uh, the big one for this where uh you have a certain ratio of designers certain uh, ratio of programmers and as long as you hit the right uh, things or the right uh, genres uh, for whatever year you're in you're golden and i've always wanted something a bit deeper and we've have hit games that are deeper in some sense way 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 too deep uh but <clears throat> this looks like it's a good middle road where it's and it feels like an actual tycoon game instead of a graph manager and one thing i've always wanted with these games is some way of uh getting some of the office politics as well you know getting interaction between the workers and it looks like it may do that as well but i'm not 100 percent sure it, do- it doesn't really show it all that well and i will say that it does feel like graphically it's from the 90s but you know this is a tycoon game so it doesn't need to be cutting edge gaming or, or cutting edge uh, graphics but it does look like it's a major major step up from their first offering in this so nice. yeah interesting it's early access right now it has some fairly good reviews overall so yeah nice so i got uh king arthur knight's tale uh what does something have to do with this (laughs) everything uh it says it's a unique hybrid between turn-based tactical games and traditional character-centric rpgs knight's tale 
is a modern retelling of classic Arthurian mythology story filled with dark fantasy tropes, a twist on the traditional tales of chivalry. It it see it's very uh, if I was going to compare this to a video game, I would compare it to Bloodborne in visual style. Very gothic, some Cthulhu-esque horror uh, aspects to some creatures that are present. Um, and then I'm I'm always down for a turn-based, you know, tactics-type game. So, looks interesting. Um, the, the art design, like, I really like the dark, gothic you know, horror aspect of the art design. Like, I don't like horror games because I don't like to be scared, but the aesthetics of horror can be breathtaking in a very uh, esoteric way. And that's the kind of vibes that I'm getting off of this. It's It looks very interesting to me. It's 35 bucks, so it's a little out of impulse buy range. But um, so far, it's got positive reviews, although it just released. So I'm not sure how much I could trust those early reviews, but... Uh, looks neat. I'm gonna take a look at it a little bit more closely later on. I think. Okay, yeah, didn't copy and paste this one, but I'll add it to the list. Ender Lily's Quittiest of the Nights. So this is a dark fantasy Metroidvania game. Uh, early access, so take everything with a grain of salt. But it is rather impressive looking so far. Has this, uh, like I said, dark fantasy, you know, kind of post-apocalyptic thing going on with it where you are a priestess trying to piece together the mysteries of what happened to your kingdom i mean if you're uh if you're in uh yeah the metroidvania styling uh you love your metroidvania games this is one to possibly keep an eye on uh looks like quite a bit of inventory management as well and uh just power-ups as well so Looks like it could go pretty deep, but it is early access, so, right? Yeah. So, uh, I got Nimby Rails, which you sent me before the show started, but it actually showed up in my discovery queue. Um, design your own, or design and run your own railroad for the real world. Solve global transportation dilemmas, unleash your inner railway engineer, and transit policy manager. So, this is on the surface a rail uh, railway building and management simulator that is set in actual real world locations. But the thing that uh, you pointed out to me earlier that makes this fairly unique is that it forces you to actually deal with the real world streets and things like that. You can't just demolish an entire you know street and set of buildings and whatever to put your rails to the center of the city. You have to work with what has been given to you. So that makes it a lot more interesting and difficult. Um, and it says that you can play the entire world, so I would come to my local area um, and and mess with it. Uh, does it have a demo? I would love to like check this out via demo. Doesn't uh, I don't see one. That's okay. I'll probably... Honestly, if I hadn't just bought uh, Dyson Sphere Program, I probably would buy this right now. But maybe maybe later uh next month i'll pick it up which i guess next month is in a week um i got a i got a bonus coming in so put some of my bonus cash on another train (laughs) management sim Um, oh your kid is gonna love you yeah it's very uh low poly like it looks like you're looking at an actual like transit map 
with its art style and color scheme. And then it's got some very like low poly, like, but I honestly think cute trains when you zoom in close enough to. to well, also, it uh, looks like the trains are customizable. So maybe you'll be able to import more uh, decals, as they call it, for the individual trains. Nice. Um, that would be neat. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm quite interested in this. So looking forward to playing it here in a little bit. Okay, well, I got another roguelite. Uh, Home Behind 2. So this is a post-apocalyptic roguelike RPG uh, about surviving... It's like a zombie apocalypse or uh, some sort of apocalypse. I'm I'm sitting here trying to figure out just what is going on with this because there's yeah a, a lot to take in on this one. It has this kind of weird, uh, almost Fallout esque uh, vibe to some of the characters where they're really over the top. You know, like the guy in the bird uh, skull with a feather headdress. I mean, that's either Fallout or Capital uh, Insurrection, right? Yeah. Mm. So ten years. Uh, yeah, I mean, some real post-apocalyptic stuff. But also, it looks like uh, some vehicle combat as well. So, that's interesting. Uh, a strategic real-time combat uh, with the with the real-time combat with Pauls. Okay, so, that's interesting. Could be fun, though. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at this next game, trying to figure out, like, I think it's standalone. I think this is standalone because there is okay. So it's let me let me copy and paste the link. I'll tell you the the title of the game while I'm pasting the link. Uh, combat mission Black Sea. So there is a combat mission. This is a little confusing because there's a combat mission game that has a modules you can buy for it. It's like a, a tactical strategy war game. Um, but I think that this uh, another is game that looks like it's Escape from the '90s. Yeah. Um. But it's got positive reviews, and I've seen the other combat mission, and while the, the graphics look dated, the gameplay looks pretty solid. Now, this one is fictional. I think some of the ones that they have have been historical, but this one is based on a, a fictional escalation of a conflict in uh, Europe uh, between Russia and the Ukraine. Um, but uh, it looks interesting. I mean, I, I like I said a minute ago, like I really like tactical and turn-based strategy games, and... Um, I'm always looking for one that or for new ones that are interesting and unique or, or fun. Um, looks like according to this, it's got 22 missions and it's single player campaign plus an additional standalone skirmish, uh, like challenge mission pack. And then, uh, you can get something called the battle pack one. What's in the battle pack one, uh, additional combat missions. So I guess challenge stuff. So neat. It's it's pretty well reviewed. The series is this one just released, but the stuff the stuff that's older is pretty highly rated as well. I mean, it's not like a massive sprawling franchise, but there's uh, a half a dozen or so um, sort of scenario packs. So cool. It is expensive. Oh god, it is sixty bucks though. So that's expensive. Yeah, I guess you really have to have to like this. All right, carry on. Okay, so. Oh, I'm not even going to try to uh, do this pronunciation. Uh, it is a visual novel 
meets uh, strategic RPG. It looks like it's uh, been out in Japan for quite a while, and it's just now coming to the uh, West after all these years. Utoerumano. I'm sure I got that wrong. You see why I didn't even bother, right? Utoerumano. Yeah, I quit. I give up. Yeah, there was no way I was going to pronounce that properly, even close enough to be able to uh, uh, get it where someone can figure it out. So go check out the uh, the show notes for that one, right? Yeah, this looks cute. It, it does look like it belongs on like the PS3, which there's nothing wrong with that. But that's the vibes I get from it, like a PS3 JRPG visual novel thing. Yeah, go, going from the reviews, it looks like it's been out for... Uh, well, at least the first game. This is the first in a trilogy uh, for uh, almost 20 years now. So, Okay, yep. So that's uh, 20 years. That would be PS2, actually. Yeah, so a pretty good-looking PS2 game. Probably late in its lifetime. Yeah, I'm down for that. It also could have maybe been, like, remastered uh, or and, something. Yeah, it, it looks like it has quite a bit of options for just how you want to play as well, so... Uh, 30 hours of gameplay, so a little bit on the shorter side for an RPG, but not terrible. So this is the uh, the last one in my... Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the original release was 2002, so there you go, right? Yeah. Uh, with uh, remasters and uh, uh, re-releases over the years, so uh, definitely been uh, changed over the time. Yep. So uh, this is the last game in my queue, and it is Panzer Dragoon Remake. Hey, do you know what Panzer Dragoon is? It's a remake with remastered and uh, improved graphics and stuff. But otherwise, it's Panzer Dragoon, the basically on-rail shooter where you fly dragons, which, you know, was pretty cool for the time. Not sure how well it'll hold up in uh, current year, but... Because it is the current year. It is the current year, so... But yeah, I, I I never played the original Panzer Dragoon. I played the one that they brought to Xbox 360, I think, or it might have been Xbox One. Um, the one that was like it, it was free to play, and it had like microtransactions and stuff in it. Uh, but the gameplay was supposed to be exactly the same as the original Panzer Dragoon. So, I mean, it was all right when I played it like seven years ago. But if you like Panzer Dragoon and you want it new and pretty. Well, you can buy it. It's 50% off right now. 50% off through the end of the month. So when this comes out, if you listen to it on release, it will still be 50% off. And if you want Panzer Dragoon, you can go buy it on Steam. Okay. Yeah, I I still have a few more on mine. So uh, next up is the medium because it's not rare and it's... Oh, we don't know if it's well done because it's not released yet. Uh, This is a psychic mystery horror game oh oh, sorry psychic dark uh, mysteries with a horror tag on it as well uh i do know that this is also coming to game pass so if you have game pass uh go check it out there uh this is a full price well sorry it's not quite a full price title it's uh fifty dollars remember uh the it's now 60 maybe 70 depending on the publisher so yeah definitely in the high double a's uh, on price though i mean rather impressive looking but it also is very confusing on the screenshots i'm not sure what i'm looking at because there's a lot of 
duality going on in the uh and the game page does talk about dual worlds and solving mysteries by uh going through different realities so yeah this will be a weird one but yeah definitely interesting um take a quick look at this next one and that looks cute and hopefully unassuming always gotta be careful with the cute ones right that is true so a rather cute looking puzzle platformer and i accidentally closed out the show notes because of course i did let me go back over to that and scroll all the way back down so phenotopia uh the awakening a rather cute looking puzzle platformer uh with like this low detail uh i would say 16-bit era but uh, it's not quite what you would expect from like a super nintendo game because they go for you know really cutesy simplified graphics but also some you know lack of detail as well which didn't really see in that era fairly uh, cheap overall yeah some pretty good reviews as well so yeah i know puzzle platformers are definitely you know not rare these days so, but yeah and looking at my next one another good looking one because of course it is i haven't done a discovery queue in ages so uh i guess i have a backlog of decent looking games so i got ocean's heart as well uh, zelda like i mean this is basically female zelda right yeah i mean top down rpg but that that uh that cover art or yeah the cover art i mean that looks like the breath of the wild tunic Oh yeah, when I open this up, I'm like, oh, it's uh, a Zelda Legend of Zelda knockoff. I mean, it's I mean, being a knockoff of Legend of Zelda isn't itself a death sentence, in my opinion. And it looks like it does enough different things gameplay wise uh, that it could uh, have some really interesting uh, things going on. Has some uh, different uh, alchemy esque. Uh, stuff going on with the crafting it looks like they do more with just that combat than uh, zelda typically does because this is a top-down zelda this is you know older school zelda so it looks like they're bringing enough to the table but they're wanting to you know let you know right away that yeah this is an open world rpg a very zelda like and uh, you know they definitely get that across uh, pretty quickly mm-hmm there's not a ton of uh, Zelda likes out there, or at least good ones. So, for some reason, my queue backed up. Okay, there we go. Yeah, while you're while you're sorting that out, I I got like two or three of the ones that you already had. Like, I mean, we started with Everspace mm-hmm. Two. I got Mad Games Tycoon, and I got uh, Home Behind Two, and I got Utuwarumamunimurner. To finish out my queue, which you already talked about, so yeah, okay. Well, this one's kind of a cute one. This uh, reminds me a little bit of Overland, uh, just from the style of it, but it's not that type of game. It's Tiny Lands. Uh, it's a spot the difference game, very very cheap, uh, and it's just rotate around different uh, uh, dioramas and try to spot the differences. Now, where this will really come into play is just yeah, how many of their uh, of their their how many of them there are. It does look like they are animated, 
uh, to some degree. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more life in the dioramas, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Nice. And let's see my last one. Let me make sure this is not a porn game. Okay. Because big furry animals. I mean, is, that, is that what it's called? Big furry animals? Well, let's just put it this way. I go to the, uh, the screenshots and wolf dicks. <laughs> wolf dicks nice. all the way down. <clears throat> so what's this game called, please? <laughs> uh, do you want me to send you a link for it for later? You, you can send me a link or you can just tell me the name and I'll search it on Steam. Uh, well, it's pretty uh, a generic name, so I'll just send you a link for it because I, I know that you'd want wolf dick. I definitely want some wolf dick. There you go. It looks unassuming on the store page, but then you go to the screenshots and whew. Knights College. Yeah, that's a very generic name. Oh my god, it's hunky anthropomorphic wolfmen. Oh, his muscles are so big. You see why you see why I was like, okay, I gotta check this, uh, make sure this is okay. I went to the community hub, went to the screenshots. Nope, oh, there we go. Yeah, it's very unassuming on the store page, you're right. But in the screenshots, very gay. Although, to be real, you look at this and, like, even the screenshots, you're like, okay, these screenshots are tame, but it's this is going to get hardcore. Hardcore. All right, heading over to the screenshots on the community page. Aw, yeah, their dicks are touching. Oh, that's a big, hunky, naked wolf man. That's, that's sex. Ooh, that's a dragon boy. Well, I know what you're buying uh, after the first of the month. Well, first I have to buy the train sim. Or the train management sim. Then mm-hmm. I'll buy some hunky wolfmen. Oh, he's getting a massage. That's also a dragon. A different dragon. <laughs> oh, that wolf is green and he wears glasses. That He's my favorite. <laughs> well, there's the dick's touching picture again. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely buying this. Yeah, I'm not one to assume uh, every time that there's a visual novel that uh, it's just a porn game. Uh, but after you've played a, a few visual novels, you start to realize, okay, uh, this has warning signs, right? Yeah. Especially on Steam. That's the thing. Uh, Steam is even worse about it. I'm sending this to a friend. Uh-oh. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to preface it, uh, send them a text before <laughs> before I just straight up send her a link to this. Is this your artist friend? No, no, this is a different, different. I don't think she would be into this. Like she, the, the hunky wolfman, fine. I don't think she would be into the, how pornographic it is. I don't know. Maybe she would be. I'll ask her. Well, we also don't know the ratio of pornographic to actual story. Um, there we go. All right. So I sent, I sent her a message. Uh, she's got a, uh, the main reason I sent this to her is that she's got a, uh, like a furry wolf, uh, thing as her, uh, avatar on Discord that she drew herself. So <laughs> she says that, that sounds like my kind of thing. So immediately paste link. Send. Oh, oh. Sweet baby girl. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. You're so welcome. All right. Is that it for your Discovery Cube? Is this your last one? Yeah, yeah. I ended up on a high note, I guess. A sky high note. Oh, oh, she's typing a response back. 
<laughs> she says, fuck me, I need to download Steam now. <laughs> oh, this isn't even the only one. There's more? Or you mean there's more just porn oh, games on Steam? Oh, like, oh, there's more than this. Well, I, I was saying, like, there's more more of this, like another one of these. Oh, I'm sure there is. Oh, I have to send her have, I have to send her genderbender. I don't know if she's ever seen that. Boom. Just just do the just carry on without me. <laughs> I'm a lost cause at this point. Uh, oh. Is, oh god damn, that's back up to twenty five bucks. I when I bought Gender Bender DNA Twister, it was like two dollars. I was gonna say just now you're a lost cause. I I'm just being mean this week. I don't know where it is. It's because you missed me. Yeah, all the uh yeah casual being mean to you is uh, built up, so hurt me, Daddy. Hurt me plenty. Well not with that attitude, I'm not. Wink. Alright, alright. Let's 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 bring it home. Let's let's land this puppy. Uh <laughs> rage. Uh, as we uh, land in a fiery crash on That's right. rage. You can find me on Twitter, GamingCR, and if you wish to be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage. And you've been... Gaming Psychologist. You can find me over on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist. Maybe one day. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707, where I tweet all the time. Some of it's serious, some of it's shit posts. You never know what you're going to find until you come over there and follow me at JMA4707. And if you want to be be my friend on Steam... You do so by sending a friend request to jr four seven zero seven. And if you wish to let her know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the past phrase for this week is, the boys are back in town. <laughs> the boys are back in town. There goes, our, there goes our last listener. The last one. It was Papa. Papa Paul's got to be the last, the last Avatar guy. Aang. Avatar Aang. He was the last one in, and he's going to be the, the last one out. Yeah, I'm out. Maybe the next reincarnation will be able to deal with this, but I can't. Yeah, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that got dark. Man. Yes, but also, I I missed this. It's so much fun. Uh, We've said it before. The main reason we do the show is because it's fun. And I mean, you know, I can do Franken episodes and I guess technically run the show by myself, but that's not fun. I need my friend. So that he can he can make fun of me and show me weird games about wolf dicks, and I can be like, "Yeah, buddy," and then corrupt some poor person. Oh no, she was already corrupt. She just doesn't game very much. So it's like, hey, let me show you this thing. <laughs> and now Steam has a new uh, user. And Half Life Three is saved because of wolf dicks. I might I might send it to her if if it gets cheap. Like, I would spend, I would easily spend, like, $5 on a bunch of copies of this game to pass out to people. <laughs> it's like, hey, do you need some wolf dick in your life? Here you go. And then it becomes, okay, now, is it offensive to take it or offensive to send it back? <laughs> yes. Uh, simple. I, I, I just load it up and hand it to the, uh, the computer. It's like, okay, play this. There you go. <laughs> right. Oh, goodness. Genderbender needs to be cheap again too, so I can send that to people. It's historic low was twelve forty nine. I could have swore I only paid like two bucks for it. Maybe, Maybe you got it off uh, site. Maybe I don't know. I played it in I think two thousand eighteen. Like that was during my my time of unemployment. 
Hang on, let's go to my Steam history. Gender, Bender, DNA, Twister. Yeah, last played January the 11th, 2018. All right, sorry, carry on. Uh, well, it's just, that's three years now, huh? Yep. Time for a redo? Absolutely, time to play through it again. Get some different endings. Woo! <clears throat> Woo! 13 characters, different endings for most of them. Well, if you wish to send us your ending... Uh, you can do so at VGLpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or tweet them to us, VGLpodcast, on the Twitter. Yes, I'm trying to get us out of here now. <laughs> Our uh, lovely, lovely patrons are to blame for this absolute madness. You can find out more, patreon.com slash VGLpodcast. And, well, if you wish to have links to all our stuff, links to the Discord, you can find it over at VGLpodcast.podbean.com. Or if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our intro down to music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. And our Discovery Cube music, which I'm assuming we'll uh, still have, even though we never did uh, start the music. I did. Know, I, did. Do. I did. I, I mentioned. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I kind of zoned out uh, and didn't listen to you for a while. Yeah. What else is new? Yeah, well, yeah, I have a lot of uh, not listening to you as well to build up. Right. Uh, sorry, what? Huh? Huh? What? Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Doobly Doo by uh, Kevin McLeod. Both uh, pieces of music can be found at incopytech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye bye now. Uh, see ya. Bye bye.